Everyone expects a sequel to capture the same lightning in a bottle. But in reality, a sequel needs to be familiar, needs to be an extension of the original, while setting a path for itself. We're talking about Bioshock 2. What's up, everybody? Welcome to 3VO, where we're all on the same team. I'm one of your hosts today, Jordan. And I'm the other host, Brendan. And if you're new here, we are just two big old nerds that love, love, love video games. And we just love talking about what it is about them that makes them so great and why we love them so much. So if you have the same passion and love and drive for video games that we do, this is definitely the podcast for you. You're in today we're good be... company. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely. Definitely. Today, we're going to be talking about the much-debated sequel to Bioshock, Bioshock 2. But before we get into that... Brendan, it's been a while, man. How are you doing, <laughs> sir? Uh, I'm I'm doing good. I'm doing okay. Uh, definitely been keeping myself busy with lots of different video games that have come out over the past couple of weeks. Um, so for for all the listeners at home, it, it doesn't seem that we've been gone for any time at all. But that's through the magic of podcasting. So, <laughs> so uh, it's it's been a little while since we recorded an episode. Uh, yeah, I've been keeping myself busy um, with the new Pokemon Snap game that's come out. Uh, it's mm -hmm. so so delightful. Ah, oh, it's just nostalgia in a bottle. It's so uh, it's just the best. I love it so much. Um, yeah. super fun. Um, I also picked up. I don't know if I, I don't think I talked about it in the last episode, but I picked up this JRPG from when I was a kid for the PlayStation 1. It's called Saga Frontier. They remastered it and released it uh, on the Switch. So I picked that up and have been playing through that garbage again. <laughs> and and it's it's straight garbage, but, you know. Oh, really? No, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. It's, uh, it, 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 was, it, was, it was a game that, um, well, when I was, like, seven or so playing it, I had no idea how to do anything with this like rpg style it's like turn oh, yeah. based it's like turn based combat like final fantasy esque mm -hmm. but it, it doesn't really guide you in the ways of like hey you should like put equipment on and you should like maybe buy weapons and oh hey if you like fight a bunch of monsters you'll get stronger over time it doesn't walk you through any of that really it just kind of goes here you go Go fight monsters, save the world, and you just have to figure it out. Um. I, I I had a similar thing when I was a kid. The first time I played, the first RPG I ever played was Final Fantasy X, and it has a similar thing mm -hmm. where, especially since it's the tenth one in the in the in the series. No, oh, yeah, it mostly assumes like you should know what the fucking drill is by now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Why do we need to hold your hand through this shit? It's number 10. You got it, right? Yeah. How do you not get this by now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, I had that exact problem with it. Um, I would, and I was seven, so I was like, I don't want to take 100 years to fight all of these monsters. I just want to, like, gun to the boss, and I should be able to kill it when I get there, right? No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? What have you been up to? Um, It's been the the... Fortunate break that we got has been very nice for me, um, just to sort of peek behind the curtain a little bit. Um, uh, Brendan did such a wonderfully thorough job with our Zelda timeline <laughs> episodes that it ended up being longer. Well, we we were fools to think we were going to get it done in one episode. So we Truly. Up, we ended up breaking up into two episodes, to which mm -hmm. I genuinely highly recommend for anybody who hasn't listened to it yet, go and listen to it. I, I think thus far it is some of our best work particularly because of the wonderful job that Brandon did going into that episode. Stop so, it. Just to quickly <laughs> give some love for that. 
Um, not a lot of games being played right now. I tried the Outriders game, which is pretty fun. Going to be doing that. Did get the Mass Effect Legendary. Oh, yes! How could I forget? Yeah. Yes! Yep. Yes. Did, did, did pick that up, turned it, I w- and I did have the moment where I was kind of like, I mean, I have it, I have to, I have to start playing uh, yeah, it. Yeah, you have to start it. So turned it, it on, got into the main menu for Mass Effect 1, all very pretty and all redone and just mm-hmm. like remastered it's and glorious so 4K. It's so mm-hmm. pretty looking now. Our and editor that- our editor is currently playing it just yes! over Love there. It. <laughs> Love it! We, we, live, it. we live and breathe the video games here. People. All the time, constantly, constantly. <laughs> so started it up. Almost started the character creation, and I was just like, I'm not ready to do this again. <laughs> <laughs> too soon. <laughs> it's too soon. I want, I, but I want to be, I, I do want to do it again just to be able to do like a fun, playful run through of it after doing mm-hmm. it for, not that saying doing it for the podcast was a chore, but just doing it and having to take mm-hmm. notes and everything like that. It's is, different. It's different. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I'm excited yeah. for the evil run that we're going to be able to do with the legendary <laughs> edition. Oh, boy, that's right. Yeah, that's going to be happening. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm not ready for it. I'm, I'm so excited. not ready for that. I'm like, I'm both terrified and so excited to go do it. I think it's going to be a really grand old time. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. See, the thing is that I have seen what full Renegade Run does throughout the series, so uh, I know how bad I, it gets. I do not. I do not know at all. So <laughs> so I'm excited to see your reactions. <laughs> That's what I'm very excited about. <clears throat> Maybe we'll have to play some of it and record, like us playing through it uh so that we can share our reactions with everybody or my oh, reactions man. in particular if only, if, if, if only we had an opportunity to do something like that sooner <laughs> that would be... hey so everybody out there if you want to see us play through mass effect any of them uh as as bad guys as like evil uh renegade boys then full renegade run <laughs> full renegade run uh and and you would watch something like that let let us know um wherever you watch in the comments uh you know um comments on youtube or you know write a review and and give us five stars and tell us that that's something that you want to see mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, now that we've got all the pleasantries out of the way, we know what Brendan's been playing, we know all the side projects that I've been up to, let's jump back into the bottom of the ocean here and get back to the city of Rapture as we talk about Bioshock 2. Mm-hmm. So, Bioshock 2 follows Subject Delta, a big daddy, as they make their way through the city of Rapture in an attempt to rescue Eleanor Lamb from their own mother, Sophia Lamb. Now, as always, <laughs> at the top, big spoiler warning. Yeah. Uh, big, big spoiler warning. We're talking about everything in this game. Yeah, as always. Set off the alarms. Know. <laughs> I don't know if Garrett's ever done an alarm yet for our spoiler warning, but I think at some point we should just have a spoiler alarm go off here. Note for the editor. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Everybody should know now. I mean, we're going to be talking about the whole game beginning to end. If yep. you don't want to hit spoilers, go play the game. Come back. Yeah. Which is similarly to the first one. This is a very story-driven mm-hmm. game. So anything we talk about in detail will spoil parts of the game for you. So if you haven't played it yet, and as always, I think this is a 3VO recommendation. Go play Bioshock 2. It's a very fun game. So if you haven't done it, go and play it, then come back and listen to the podcast. Okay. (laughs) Now that this, now now that that's out of the way, (laughs) um, I don't know where, how old you were when this game came out. I don't have an exact date of when the game came out. Um, but I do remember this coming out and they're sort of immediately being, I don't want to say controversy around it, but sort of a discerning opinion from a lot of people that there 
wasn't the big there wasn't a huge twist at the end of the game um mm. you know just like a lot of different characters and whatnot the i i, I just from what i remember everyone was very upset mm. that the sequel wasn't exactly the same thing as the first one mm. to which especially now looking back on this to me i i, I especially now really back the question of if you're gonna get a game that's a sequel why would you want the exact same game again? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. Um, I mean, this sequel is definitely a take on what a sequel can be, and I think it's an excellent take on what a sequel can be. Um, I think, and again, I don't know because Bioshock wasn't on my radar um, at the time that it did come out. I think the first game came out, I know I want to say 2007, which puts the second game coming out how many years after that, Jordan? What do you think? Um, at least a year or two after. At that. least a year that. or two after, right? So I would have been, I would have been seventeen, eighteen. Um, so, anyways, um, it just wasn't on my radar, so I don't remember any controversy around this at all. Um, it's definitely a take on what a sequel can be, but I think that any dissent or like differing opinions on the quality of the sequel would stem from it not being about the same person that you played in the first one. Like that's kind of where I'm at. Um, or what I would think, I would think that more people would want to see like, Oh, well what happened to, you know, uh, Tenenbaum and all of the little sisters that escaped and yada, 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 yada. And you know, it's like, that's done. The story's done for them. Let's yeah. go back to Rapture. <laughs> like that's yeah. where the that's where the, that's where the cool stuff is happening. Let's go back there. So yeah, it had to be a different character almost. Yeah, and I think that the, the, the interesting take on doing it with a big daddy and going through mm -hmm. that world that way. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I realized on the on my last playthrough for this one was that Bioshock One is the story of the the, the big moment in Bioshock One is finding out that your character has metaphorically essentially been in shackles this whole time. And then the discovery is learning that you have been sort of sent on this process and just like you, you're on a set path and you're being controlled and all this stuff. Bioshock 2 is what happens when you have a set character in that world who is already sort of in shackles and when you take them off of those. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, At least that was the take I got off of it this time, personally. Mm. No, that's very interesting. But in a way, isn't Subject Delta kind of shackled to the whole situation too in a way in a way yes but i think where the split i think where the split kind of happens is that it's mm, bioshock one and we talked about this in that episode go listen to our bioshock one episode if you want to hear more about this um is that because we talked about it a bit is that bioshock one sort of plays with that meta gaming aspect of it too Mm -hmm. of sort of the idea of like the player also kind of being set on a direct path and like kind of being guided in that way Whereas that meta commentary, I don't think is if it's if it's prevalent, I missed it in Bioshock too. I both are definitely dealing with like the issue of like free will, self control. Hundred um, percent, yeah, hundred um, percent. And in this game, it's less so much. Hmm, let me think of how to put this. Like Subject Delta is doing things for non selfish reasons, but he is kind of not in control in a way because of that i would say almost yes yes and no i see what you're saying but it's like just it's to... like he can't be non-selfish and also escape 
I'm, I feel like I'm explaining this badly. So, like, okay, he's stuck down there and he's pair bonded yes. with Eleanor, who you're trying to save. If he tries to dip, he's going to die. If he... You, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, like, stuck yeah, yeah, either yeah. way. So... Yeah, no, you're right. He can't... He has no choice. He, he has no... But that is where some of the choice option does come in, though, is that... Absolutely. It's, 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 again, players like me and Brendan, we go into it. <laughs> And we get picked up at Subject Delta and we get told and we get messages from our daughter saying, you need to come and rescue me. My mother's trying to turn me into this monster because she thinks it's going to save Rapture, blah, 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 blah. And we're like, 100% kid, I'm fucking, I'm there. Let's go. Let's get there. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. But whereas the other way to sort of take the storyline to take the game is the other way to take Subject Delta is that from what I've seen in the pure sort of like bad evil ending is that you are trying to get to Eleanor just to figure out how to sever that tie so you can bounce. Mm. So it does kind yeah. of play with yeah. that a little Interesting. bit. It's not, yeah. quite, it's not quite as like cut and clear as that, but it does play with that a little bit. I do see what you're saying, though. No matter what, I you see. are sort of still strapped in for a ride. <laughs> you, yeah, you basically though. are. So um, why don't you speak a little bit on uh, that, like what the major like choices are that you can make that affect things throughout the game? Yeah, so, and that's good, too, because that touches into something else that I think is interesting, is that something the game got a lot of flack for when it first came out was that it's, it's that, and obviously, giving full credit to, um, to, to also clarify a little bit, sorry, I'm all over the place on this one, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, so, the, the original creator for Bioshock, uh, Ken Levine, uh, was not involved in this game, other than as, like, essentially as, like, an executive producer credit at a certain point, hmm. but... And he has nothing against Bioshock 2. He just kind of he just kind of looked in and went like, "I've told the story in Rapture that I wanted to tell. If you guys want to keep going with it, that's fine. I just I just don't have anything else that I want to personally say with the world of Rapture, hmm. which is totally fine." And he gave it its blessing. And he thinks, and from what I've seen, he thinks Bioshock 2 was solid. It just wouldn't have been the story that he would have told. Um, but it, it it's it's a different creative team and a different writing team and whatnot. But it's sort of you are but. Something the game got a lot of flack for, to get to what my point was, mm-hmm. is that it got a lot of flack when it first came out because it didn't, quote-unquote, ask, like, the big metaphorical or, like, um, uh, questions and whatnot that Bioshock mm-hmm. 1 has about, like, choice and, like, you know, where uh, and all the stuff, uh, the tie-ins with, like, Andrew Ryan and sort of how mm-hmm. it's the counterpoint for Anne Rand and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But something that the game does do, and it does need to be addressed, is that it does still ask them pretty big questions that, that tie into the game is that what are some of the choices that a parent can make that do affect their offspring, mm-hmm. essentially? Because mm-hmm. as you go through the game, as you make choices, something you discover at the end is that Eleanor, the, the, the little sister that you're going to rescue as your main quest, is that she has been watching you, she's been observing mm-hmm. you, and mm-hmm. she's been changing herself based on the decisions that you've been making. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, the choices of rescuing the little sisters or harvesting them for their atom, which is so brutal in this game, by the way, <laughs> if you make that choice. Have you seen it? No. Can you do that? No. Um, so, it's, you know how in the first one there was the same animation, basically, for either way, where you just go, no, no, and then mm-hmm. afterwards they're either just gone or, or they go, oh, thank you, then they go running off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so in this one, if you choose to rescue one of the little sisters... It's the very sweet moment where she's kind of calmly looks at you and you put your hand on their head oh, and the wait. light glows. Uh huh. But if you decide to harvest them, they go, ah! 
and try to swatch your hand away, and then they're just a slug in your hand and you crush them. Yeah, I th- uh, I think you talked about that in the. Fr- I just remembered. I think you I talked think about I briefly that. Briefly mentioned in, it in the uh, first game. That that's how it works in game too. Yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. No, thank you. That was rough. <laughs> Yeah, because as we know, Adam comes from Slugs in the Sea. It's a whole other, like... It's a whole fucking... <laughs> it doesn't really matter, but it's fun, cool, like, diving into the lore of the game and whatnot and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, as you go through the game, you're met with these decisions that... I, it just hit me. They kind of get harder and harder if you're going on the truly altruistic path in terms of, like, whether to... Essentially, the decision on whether to allow someone to, to live or die. To keep living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the very, from what I remember, the very first person you encounter is, good lord, I can't remember the her sing- name right the now. The singer, it's, um, yeah. Oh, uh, Halloway, last name Halloway, I think. Yes, Grace, Grace Halloway. That's the yeah. one we got there. Yeah, <laughs> definitely Grace. And that one's fairly easy to me, despite the fact that she's been trying to kill you this whole time. Because mm-hmm. that was based on, like, a misunderstanding. Complete misunderstanding. Right. And, yeah, and also not realizing that you are a big daddy who now has free will and is sort of... Mm-hmm. making its own choices here whereas before you were definitely under control and you get the option whether to kill her or let her live basically mm-hmm. always by the way let her live because strategically it makes more sense because it makes your exit she helps you out easy. yeah she helps you out that makes it way easier to get out yeah. of there um but then you move on to um stanley pool mm-hmm. who's the paparazzi in one mm-hmm. of the next areas you go to and he basically like yeah. turned you in yeah he basically turns yeah. he, he turns you in, and he's also the reason why Eleanor is a little has has mm-hmm. had been turned into a little sister. Mm-hmm. Like it's his fault. So that choice is a little bit tougher because you're just like mm, fuck this guy because like <laughs> out the gate he's a paparazzi, so fuck him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> True. Just anyway. Mm. <laughs> um, but then you get to to an, uh, another part of the game with um that scientist that doctor guy Gil you, Alexander. Gil Alexander, thank you very much, where he's asked you, by the end of the game, he's asked you to kill what he's turned into, because he's been consumed and addicted to Adam, that he's kind of turned into the, I don't, I don't fully know what happened there. I checked yeah, all stuff, I don't, don't know. Get it. It's very weird, it's very, very odd. It's fucking weird. That whole part is weird, though, because you're hearing, like, his old voice saying, like, yeah, go, k- get me, and you're hearing his current voice saying, oh, I'm gonna get you, and it's like... It's like, like you almost feel like you're losing it a little bit too. It's kind of hard to keep straight, but that, that I think that makes that part very cool. But yeah, uh, yeah, he's definitely the one I think that the the character wants to like the most. Yeah, but it's also, but it's also like the the, the version of him that was saying that did have most of his faculties together is saying, "I need you to kill me." This that is my too. Uh, yeah, While the that current too. living version. Is saying no, 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 no! I'll stop! I'll change! I'll change! Don't, 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 please, please don't kill me! Uh, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot to take in, and that was a moment of playing the game. I just remember sitting there going, "Like, what's the right move here?" Like, yeah, it's distressing. <laughs> it is really, really distressing. But you learn by the end of the game that as you've made these choices and done these things, Eleanor has been watching, and it is mm-hmm. changing who Eleanor is, which is very upsetting to our main antagonist dr sophia lamb mm-hmm. who is to talk about that character a little bit here real quick um another choice that i love in the game to go back to what i was saying earlier about like why would you want the same game again is that dr lamb is no andrew ryan Mm-mm. 
but I'm glad I didn't just get another version of Andrew Ryan. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, that kind of would have been like, yeah, that would have been lame, I think. Yeah, and it still begs the opposite version of the question, where I was like, if if Andrew Ryan is Anne Rand's philosophy of mm. the perfect society and like sort of essentially no restrictions, no holds on the people, kind of. Mm-hmm letting capitalism run to an extreme mm-hmm. is sort of my understanding of all that. Just mm-hmm. like, you know, power to the people, let them do what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, Sophia Lamb is sort of taking socialism and dialing it up to an 11. Uh-huh. Yeah. And saying just like every, just like everything has to be for the people. Everything has to be for the collective. Even if that means some people need to die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She calls, she refers to him as the family. Like, yikes which is really really creepy yeah but something there too that i think is interesting is that in in the difference for andrew ryan and fontaine from bioshock one who needed who kind of needed adam as an addiction to get people to work for them and to use that mm-hmm. sophia lamb just kind of does it like there's obviously still an issue with adam in the world of rapture itself but she just kind of uses her own philosophy and psychology on things to get people on her side mm-hmm you know what I mean? Like Adam is still prevalent in there, but it's still more of just like, like you said, like the t- talking about the family and the, and what's good for the people and the power of the people and rapture itself mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, she's, it's a, I think they kind of set up to be like, I don't want to say smarter than Andrew Ryan, but at least a little bit more clever in that sense. I, I, I see what you're saying. Um, although I do have to bring up that it's, it's said that she came in as like a, like a psychologist, I believe, um, yes. to Rapture and that she kind of was like maybe brainwashing people. Oh, I'm not saying it's yeah. like, oh, okay. No, no, no. okay. It's, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's, it's cult leader shit for sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> No, no, yeah. I'm not like a Sophia Lamb sympathizer on this thing. I'm not trying to say like, okay. you know what? She really had some good points. No. <laughs> okay. No. Uh, yeah. So, um, I think I think that they both use different kinds of like addiction to fuel the like, oh, okay, the like buy-in from people. Whereas Adam is like a physical kind of addiction. I would say that the like cult mentality, that like family mentality is kind of another sort of addiction, more of a mental one or a psychological one that people bought into, and then that's how that got rolling. So they both, I feel like, used kind of just different media to get people to their side. Interesting. Like okay, no, in. I agree with that. You see what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I think you're right. That's a good point. I like that. I like that too. Hmm. But yeah, I just, I, I, I'll always appreciate Dr. Lamb as, as a character. It's mm-hmm. just, it's an interesting take on the world. Mm-hmm. That, that also feels like it fits well into Rapture. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Because that's, that's a tough thing, too, is making sure that when you add characters like this in a sequel, they got to make sure they feel right for that world. Mm-hmm. It also makes a lot of sense that, like, because we have all of the events of, like, Rapture um, in Bioshock 1, it kind of makes sense that the so- society would be like, well, that didn't work. Let's swing 100% the other way. <laughs> pretty much yeah <laughs> and if you're like and if you pick up some of the stuff like like i said i, I try to do my best to do a thorough job mm-hmm. of going through this game i missed so much shit because there's, there's so much so much stuff. Yeah. there's so much stuff so much um but there's little snippets in the game that like when you pick up the I can't remember what they're called now. The, the, the little recording device things. The the like uh, the recordings. The tape recorders. Just like <laughs> yeah. the tape recorders. Yeah. But um, after you get that, but as you pick that stuff up, um, Andrew Ryan and 
Dr. Lamb are constantly butting heads mm. at like the height of when Rapture was at its finest. So it does also do a good job of getting a sense that she has been in this world. Mm. We just didn't really hear about her in the last one, uh-huh. which I think is interesting because it could be it could be chalked up to just like, well, we didn't mention her in Bioshock one because obviously <laughs> we didn't know about the character yet. We didn't know there was going to be a sequel, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I also think it's an interesting idea to sort of see someone who would sort of see where this power structure, the power struggle between Fontaine and then later Atlas and Andrew Ryan was coming in and to see someone sort of like, I'm going to hang back and see how this plays out. And then to see that sort of gap in the power struggle after they both get taken out and go, now is where I slip in here. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So we've talked a lot about the, like the characters and the things like that. Um, And we've talked about how people like maybe didn't take too well to it, but what do you think that the sequel did to improve upon game one? Like mechanics wise, gameplay wise, um, like what do you think it did like really well? Something I genuinely love in Bioshock 2 is the introduction of dual wielding. In a very power-shocking <laughs> way, because most of the time when you talk about dual building in a first-person shooter, it's just a character holding two guns. Which, don't get me wrong, I am, I'm a Wolfenstein fan, I'm a Halo fan, <laughs> I'm a big fan of that mechanic. But doing it in this one of having in one hand a gun or a drill, the drill's super fun too, by the way. <laughs> I love using the drill in Bioshock 2. quite graphic. <laughs> oh my god, starting at one end of the map and then just like rushing <laughs> like a mile yeah. into a splicer and just watching him smack against the wall. Oh, it's so good. But then having either a weapon in one hand and then your plasmids in the other hand is so satisfying. It's so mm-hmm. much fun to play with that. And especially mm-hmm. as you start to level up your plasmids mm-hmm. and just being able to sit there and just like blast fire at a dude as you're lighting him up with a machine gun or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's such a satisfying mechanic. And being able to stack them and stuff like that, just like using the tornado trap. I don't know if you've done this, but you could set a tornado trap uh-huh. and then like throw fire or lighting into it. Get out. Yeah, and then it'll launch them somewhere. The game doesn't tell you that. You have to figure it out on your own. Mm-hmm. I remember years ago just being like, wonder what happened if I did this. Boof, and it was just like a fire tornado sitting there on the floor. And I was Sneaky like, that's game awesome. Designers. Cool. Sneaky designers. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. It comes in real handy when you're sitting there. And my other thing that I like, even though it does get a little repetitive in the game, is collecting Adam with the little sisters in the different levels. Mm-hmm. Is a very is a very very fun mechanic. It does to, to take a little bit. It does make the game feel a little samey going throughout. Because mm. essentially each level is, is does sort of follow the mechanic of like find six items to get you through this level. Also collect Adam with the little sisters. Mm. Um, but it's still fun. And so being able to stack the plasmids and set up the traps and stuff like that, either traps either with plasmids or with actual like trap mechanics that are set in the game also just made it really really fun so controversial slightly controversial opinion the gameplay to me in bioshock 2 was better than the gameplay of bioshock 1 i don't think that's a very controversial opinion (laughs) i I hope i think it's a i think it's a pretty marked improvement and i mean when you're making a sequel you would dang well better improve the gameplay if there was room for improvement from the first game if there's one thing to do you know it is definitely improved it is definitely Mm -hmm. improved the gameplay yeah 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 because that was my because that was my biggest issue with the first Bioshock was that like the gameplay kind of felt very um uh, just stunted in a certain way because it mm. is sort of like hit him with a plasmid 
okay, now switch to your weapon, now fire, or fire, switch to plasmid and do this and do that. Whereas, like, mm -hmm. in two, it's all, it could all, if you wanted it to be, it could all be one movement. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It's plasmid and whatever weapon you want to use. Mm -hmm. I would definitely agree. In in Bioshock 1, it, feel, it feels a little cumbersome uh, trying to, like, switch back and forth to, you know, get get the bad guys dead in the most optimal way possible. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you think Bioshock 2 did just, like, very well and makes it a good sequel? I really like the expansion of the world of Rapture. Mm -hmm. I think that that's really cool. Like, just sort of... Because you could have... They could have done it, and there's a little bit in places, I think, where it's sort of like you kind of run through similar areas again that you kind of mm -hmm. did in the first one. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, you're in a completely different section of Rapture. And if mm -hmm. it is supposed to be this giant underground New York City, basically, mm -hmm. it would be huge. Mm -hmm. So getting to explore yeah. different areas that then you did in Bioshock 1, I also think was a very cool idea because then it lets you sort of explore new stuff. And it opens up really cool, interesting, like, side story stuff. Like, um, I don't know how much you were able to get into it, but uh, the story of Mark Meltzer. Tell me more. So to expand a little bit more into the story for Bioshock 2 as well, part of the part of what's happening is that um, because of the events of Bioshock 1, in theory, um, <laughs> there's no longer enough little sisters left. In, there's no longer enough children left mm -hmm. in Rapture to be turned mm -hmm. to little sisters. So right. they're starting to kidnap kids from the surface from the and surface. taking them mm -hmm. down to Rapture. Mm -hmm. And a side story you could follow through picking up the little recordings is the story of Mark Meltzer, who was a father who has come down from the surface, discovered Rapture, and is trying to find his and is trying to find his daughter again. Oh no! Yeah, oh. which is a detail I never noticed until this last playthrough. Oh. Is that at one point you end up fighting a big daddy to get a little sister away from him, um, and after that big daddy dies, its name changes to Mark Meltzer. No. Oh, and you no. can pick up a recording from him to discover that Sophia Lamb has found him and turned him into a big daddy. No. Oh my god, no. Yeah, it's really, really heartbreaking. I never caught it the first the nobody, first playing through. Nobody from the surface can come down to Rapture. You will turn into a big daddy. That Don't is, do it. You're that screwed. is your fate. Just, just stay up there. Stay up there. Sorry. No offense, dude. I'm sorry. Uh, compliments to you, sir, but your kid's gone. You're just <laughs> nope. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> yeah. And it also does the fun thing too, because part of Mark Meltzer's story is that he gets taken up by a new another new um enemy in the game, the big sister. Yes, which I think is such a cool, cool enemy and such a cool, such a cool concept. idea to continue like what happened to the little sisters, you know, as they grow up. Like Yeah, because what so what cool. does happen to a little sister mm -hmm. as they get older and as they grow. Mm-hmm. It's also especially since especially since now it's a different science going into it because originally the little sisters were stunted at that age once they were turned, but now that they're taken from the surface and not raised as little sisters, it kind of works a little bit differently. If I remember that right, something like that. Something like that. <laughs> There's a bunch bunch of bullshit sci-fi in a made-up fucking world. Leave Absolutely. me alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was gonna say um, we were talking about like exploring Rapture, like other parts of it that we didn't get to see in Bioshock One. I thought it was really cool to step outside of Rapture into the big old ocean too for like not a lot like if if they had done any more i think it would have been a little annoying to be perfectly honest yeah um but it was cool and it makes a lot of sense because rapture is like basically falling apart even more so than in bioshock one so it makes sense yeah. that there would be 
flooded areas, like fully flooded areas, and openings to the ocean. So I think it was really cool to see some of that working too. And also we got to see like, um, like I was going to say airlocks, but I guess that's not right. Cause that's space, but like, you know what I mean? The areas where you still, could transition. I think they still call them. I think they still call them airlocks. Is it though. an airlock? I guess. Um, because it's basically, I mean, it's like it works in the same function as an airlock and lets that and, like all the air is taken out. It's just filled up with water rather than just removing <laughs> the air from it. Right. Right. Um, same so, concept. Yeah. Uh, it's cool to see that because it, it makes sense that Rapture would have those because what if something happened on the outside and you needed a worker to go out there and fix one of the many neon signs or something like that. So it was really cool yeah. to see that like very functional piece of Rapture and be able to um, actively use it in the game. I thought it was just a cool touch. Yeah, especially since in the first one, and again, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to like knock the first one over the second one or anything like that. <laughs> but in the first one, the underwater, the underwater aspect is purely visual mm -hmm. there's not really a lot of interaction with how that works whereas in this one being able to step outside as you said is interesting even if it is sort of just like a way to get from point a to point b yeah it's still cool yeah. <laughs> no it's still it's still cool yeah. that first moment after your first encounter with one of the with one of the big sisters when she cuts open the giant window such a cool you, moment and such it rushes a, in such you, a cool and you're moment. just like and you're just like Gah! and then yeah. you get up again you're like oh right i'm a big dad right yes yes right yes, like yes. jesus Mm -hmm. Which is something else I give the game a lot of credit to, too, is that especially sort of not super recently, but fairly quickly coming off of Bioshock 1 into diving into Bioshock 2, playing as a big daddy feels different. Mm. Like it actually feels different. You feel at least in the beginning of the game after after upgrades and whatnot, it, it changes. But like, <laughs> you you feel heavier. Your impacts feel different. The way you play sort of feels a little bit different. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. And that too, just sort of add, add, adds a different level to me as far as like, no, 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 you play this game a little differently than you did the first time. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the way that you interact with the world is like markedly different. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause in this one, you're not the fish out of water anymore or rather the fish being put back into Listen. Bad analogy. The, the, the metaphor is very, <laughs> very fucked when you're dealing in a world that is underwater. Okay. <laughs> To, as opposed to being someone who was unfamiliar with the world you're going into and being something that has been living in this world mm -hmm. since it kind of got created. It's it's just that it, it, it feels different interacting with it in that way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In a sense. It's all still very different because obviously as a player you're dealing with a whole other realm of rapture that you're not used to, but still. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, sorry, did you have more? No, I was just gonna say that I also just again we talked we we touched on it a little bit, but I just love the mechanic, the the story mechanic of that. You're not like your choices aren't what's going to affect you within the game; it's what's going to affect Eleanor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think that's a very interesting story structure. Yeah, because normally with a game like this, where you have that sort of moral choice to it and whatnot. It's either it's either Bioshock One in which that it is affecting your your main character's ending and how they're gonna sort of be how your character is sort of viewed in the world, which does happen in this too. Um but you don't normally see how your character choices affects a different character in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just think I don't know, I just think that using that using it as a gameplay mechanic to sort of make the statement on what parenting really is, Ooh. I think is really, really interesting <laughs> and cool. I mean, like, that's really no, what it's about. Absolutely, absolutely. I think part of it, too, is I think at least 
from my perspective, maybe maybe not everybody shares this opinion, but from in my opinion, I think it's pretty evident from the onset of the game that like the main character, you're not gonna make it through. You know, like yeah, you're not gonna get a happy ending. You know, like I th- I think that was pretty evident. Um, me too. Me too. Yeah. Um, just in the way I mean. You basically get killed at the beginning. Uh, you're kind of on borrowed time, and then you what get... a rough start to a game. How do we not <laughs> really? go over that? We just glossed over the fact that you are forced as a big daddy to shoot yourself in the head. It's not cute. It's not cute. It's not. Um, yeah. Um, and and then in the middle of the game, like toward towards the end, you kind of almost die again. Um, so I I I think it's heavily hinted at and pretty evident that the main character is not going to make it through. Um, But to still be compelled to like, you know, make good choices is really important. And I think that through Eleanor, you know, getting, you kind of get like this vicarious happy ending, well, or bad ending, uh, you know, depending, depending, uh, um, you know, through Eleanor. And I think that's really cool. So we're kind of heading to our discussion about the ending. Do you want to kind of jump into that? We should go in and go into that. So, yeah. and it's, and you kind of hinted at a, mm-hmm. at a big, big moment that I really, really like, um, is I, I, again, the whole game is you trying to make your way as, uh, as this big daddy to Eleanor, um, to try to rescue her from her own mother by the end of the game. Um, and one of the last things that happens before you get to her is that, you kind of basically you discovered that Dr. Lamb knows about what's been going on between you and Eleanor. She knows that she's made contact with you as a big daddy and has been sort of helping you throughout your journey and giving you hints on like what's been going on in Rapture and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dr. Lamb, again, we've, stuff we've kind of glossed over a little bit, has essentially been raising Eleanor to be rapture's big savior i i don't totally remember exactly what all the details are so yeah they they were trying to make her into the they called her the first utopian by pumping all of the atom from like rapture's intellectual elite into her somehow she would like gain all of their brains basically (laughs) um and 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 then they were also going to like (coughs) brainwash her in the way that Jack from Bioshock 1, the main character in Bioshock mm-hmm. 1, was brainwashed so yes. that she like didn't act altruistically or pragmatically at all. So yeah. she was just like they called her the first utopian because she would be completely completely selfless, um have no free will and also be like super intelligent and hold all of the memories of Rapture. Um yeah. So like some fucking bonkers stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, despite the fact that they yeah. did sort of use the uh, Gil, um, as we talked about it before, as sort of an experimental version of that. And we saw how badly that idea fucking went, but they were still like, Bad. nah, it'll work with her. She'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but as you, but it, it, literally as you get on the other side of the glass from Eleanor, um, you see that Dr. Lamb is sitting in the room with her. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. rather than letting you come in and change this girl's fates, um, Dr. Lamb opts that it's a better option to kill her own daughter, basically, to stop you from getting to her. Hmm. So you watch her, you, you watch her smother Eleanor with a pillow that sort of severs your d- direct connection mm-hmm. with her. Um, but Dr. Lamb can't just let you die because she knows that you'll just come back 
elsewhere through the way that like the the, the vita right through the vita chambers mm-hmm. and as you are still a piece of rapture that's how that mechanic will work within the world and whatnot um but you come to and y- you are ta- essentially taken on a journey as a different little as it as a little sister mm-hmm. exp- ex- another interesting way to explore the world i would do a whole survival horror game just exploring the world of rapture as a little sister kind of on her own i don't know <laughs> it'd be tense it'd be fucking rough uh, but i think it would be a cool game uh, i think it'd be a really cool game uh, so weird <laughs> i mean it was so cool so Getting getting the ability to take control of a little sister, even for just like mm-hmm. a little bit, um, was cool. But then when you see Rapture through the little sister filter, it was just like, oh, oh, yikes. Because it's all like pretty yeah. and Victorian and like there's rose petals everywhere instead of blood. And there's like no dead bodies. They're angels and they have like wings around them and... Uh, I was like, which is cool because that's what they've always referred to them as through the right. games is that they're angels. Exactly. It was very cool and also very horrific. <laughs> oh, incredibly daunting. Yeah. Incredibly rough. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But then as you're going through as that, you get uh, this conversation with Eleanor, who's sort of still talking to uh, Delta mm-hmm. and saying just like, I've been wa- just like, you know, my mother's not wrong. I've been watching you. I've been seeing what you're doing. And it has changed who I am. It has changed me as a person. Mm-hmm. And if you do the run the way that me and Brendan do, by the end <laughs> of it, you discover that through watching, um, this is kind of hit me, through watching Delta's actions, you have sort of helped create that truly altruistic, selfless person that Dr. Lamb was trying to force her to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. That that's, just hit me how interesting that actually is. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. To where it's that it's that it's the idea that parenting is not through forcing your child's actions; it's being the example that needs to. Li- How did that just hit me right now? We brought it all back. <laughs> we brought it all back together. Well, that's the episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. There we go. We're <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's that's exactly what I think the the point to be made was. Um, of course, that's if you you know, do the run like, uh, yourself and myself. Um, if you don't do that, then you get like a kind of more forbidding ending. <laughs> Way more forbidding. Way more more forbidding. Just, we're just going to, at some point, going to have to redo these episodes, but with the bad endings mm-hmm. for some of these, mm-hmm. for some of these games. It'll be a it's whole series. It'll be a whole series. I can see it now. It's like the evil run and Garrett will put mustaches on our faces and stuff. I think it's just going to be an hour long episode of just you and I sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like, yeah. And then you just like, you kill all the little sisters and then you create a monster <laughs> with your own daughter and just. Yep. <laughs> so, um, I think that's all we've got for the ending. Is there anything else that you wanted to add about this game? Um, I really, really enjoy the big final fight through Rapture. Oh yeah. Um, after after Eleanor, so basically, uh, as the little sister, you're on a rescue mission to go collect pieces uh, to, do, to go collect like the pieces to turn Eleanor into another big sister, basically, mm-hmm, but without mm-hmm. all of the horrible yeah. Like, <laughs> like yeah, all the horrible shit that comes with being a big sister because she has her own choices. Mm-hmm. Once again, interesting. You are a big daddy that has been given free will, and now you're giving free will the abilities of someone of a big sister. Just interesting stuff. Um, and based on how you've been playing the game, sort of dictates how Eleanor reacts after becoming a, uh, a big sister. Mm-hmm. 
for us, again, obviously, she rescues the little sisters, and you decide that to make your grand escape from Rapture. You also want to get the rest of the little sisters mm-hmm. out of Rapture, but you also need them to make your big escape because Dr. Lamb has essentially set off a bomb that's going to blow everything else up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so you're able to, like, recruit them, save them, and then they help you get out, too. And everybody, everybody gets out. <laughs> yep, everybody everybody gets out, including, again, including, depending on the ending, including Dr. Yeah. Lamb. Mm-hmm, yep. So which that's also a fucked up part if you see any of the evil ending stuff. You just kind of oh. sit there and watch. You just watch yeah. her drown. <laughs> yeah. I watched I watched them. <laughs> yep, yep. Yep. It's rough uh, shit, right? <laughs> yeah. Because that's the whole thing is like Eleanor is like, well, by watching you, I learned forgiveness. Because you, you know, saved all of the little sisters. And you had all of those people that, you know, did bad things and you forgave them. And yeah. so now I've learned forgiveness and I'm forgiving uh dr lamb for what she did to me yeah yeah <laughs> it's just it's uh, it's such a and again it's like it's not I, I put it down here too but like it's it's not the it, it doesn't involve a big cool twist that happens in the first game mm-hmm. so which yeah. is again it's just like you were never gonna fucking top that You're never <laughs> you were no. never gonna do it no. and it's so because a big thing is that the twist in one is so integral to the story in the game mm-hmm. and what the game is trying to say that if they tr- that if they went into this one going, well, now we need another big twist, it would have been just to be like, well, game one did it. Yeah. So we have to do it in game two and the twist would have just been there to have the twist because mm-hmm. now you have the set precedent. So I personally, this sort of kind of wrap up the ending and whatnot a little bit, I really give the, the team on this a lot of credit for not trying to do the same thing as the first one. Mm-hmm. They went, you know what? The story works fine as it is. There's no like big, oh, oh my God moment and whatnot. And even though there's kind of little, oh my God moments spread throughout the yeah. game. Yeah, of course. Um, but that they didn't go for that same lightning in the bottle thing again. Like they kind of went like, no, no, mm-hmm. we have our own story to tell. We have a different story to tell mm-hmm. that works. That, that to me works really well, is very, very well suited for the game. Um, and just, it's just a solid game. Just yeah, a solid absolutely. Game. Absolutely. I'd be interested to know kind of like from that team, like, if it was debated or if they talked about it at all, like, you know, what, what would those discussions have been like? You know, did they sit around going, how do we wrap, how do we do this? Like we need a twist. Like what's the big twist? You know, were there people just sitting there going, no, we got to stick, like, we got to stick to the story that we want to do. Like we, we, we cannot do what Bioshock one did. We cannot achieve that. I'd be really interested to know more about that. I would like to. I would like to dive into a bit more. I didn't find a whole lot in terms of like dev mm. team stuff discussing mm. about the story and whatnot. Nah. It was more just a few of the things that I did see was more was was more just like watching these like writers and developers going like, yeah, we got hit with Bioshock t- with the Bioshock sequel. That was hard. <laughs> 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 just like yeah, we got told just thinking we're making a sequel to that game and we're like, okay, cool. <laughs> Well, that's it for this episode, guys. Tell us, what did you think of Bioshock 2? Was it as exciting and cool as the original or just a desperate cash grab? Um, did you save the little sisters or harvest them for their Adam? Did you find all the different recordings? Did you know Did you know about the guy that I surprised Brendan with in this one? Please let us know. And if you have any ideas for future discussions for our show, you can send us an email at 3vopodcastteam at gmail.com and you can give us our, your ideas. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 3vopodcast. 
Make sure to comment, like, and subscribe. It really makes a difference. Uh, leave us a review on you know Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, like us, follow us, talk to us on social media. We'll talk back because we're not doing a whole lot. Like, talk to us. Like, we'll talk to you. <laughs> uh, we'll get back to you. Trust me. Come be part of the team. It, um, it, it, it really makes a difference, and we really like to um, hear from the community. So please, please interact with us, and we'll see you next time.